My mom texted me today and she was concerned. She was wondering about all the bank failures and the banking crisis she keeps hearing about on TV and wanted to know, you know, what should she do and should she be worried? Well, I'm going to answer her question in this video. Hey everybody, my name is Rob Berger. This is the Financial Freedom Show where we talk about investing, retirement and financial freedom. If those topics are important to you, I encourage you to subscribe to the channel. I also send out a newsletter every Sunday morning. You can sign up with that with the link below this video. And so, yeah, the banking crisis, we're still in it. And we're st we've still got more to go. In this video, I want to try to tackle four things. The first is I want to sort of just put the current banking crisis in perspective, in part by comparing it to what we went through in 2008. They're very, very, very different. I then want to talk about the benefits of small and regional banks, because I think a, a lot of the question, questions come around to, okay, should I get my money out of these small, smaller banks? And should we all just run to the four or five big banks? I don't think so, but we'll, we'll talk about it. Then thirdly, we should think about protecting ourselves. And that's true no matter where we keep our cash. So I'm going to talk about that for just a few minutes. And then lastly, for those investors out there, you think, you know, maybe there's an investing opportunity here with regional banks. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure there is. Maybe there is. But I'm going to show you an ETF that you might consider uh, if that's the way you're thinking. All right. So let's dive right in. And to begin with, the banking crisis today is very different than what we went through in 2008. Recall back then the big issue was subprime loans. Uh, a lot of them went bad at the same time, but put a lot of banks in trouble. And of course, it ended up almost bringing down the financial system and it required massive intervention by our government. That's not what happened here. This isn't a subprime loan issue. Uh, honestly, the, the, the one investment that seems to have gotten the banks into trouble most are long dated treasuries, the long, the long bond, one of the most secure investments in the world. The problem is when interest rates were very low, uh, these banks put a lot of money in long-term long treasuries. And as we know, if, you, if you're a longtime viewer of this show, you know that as interest rates go up, the value of existing bonds go down. And, and how much they go down depends on just how, what their duration of maturity is. And if they don't mature for 10 or 20 or 30 years, uh, a, a significant increase in interest rates can bring the value of those bonds down significantly. And that's exactly what happened to a lot of banks. Now, if that were the only issue, frankly, we wouldn't be having the crisis that we're having because the banks could have just held on to the treasuries. They didn't need to sell them. Uh, they would still collect interest, maybe not a lot, but they would collect interest and eventually the bonds would mature and they could get their money back and they wouldn't have any losses. The problem with owning a long dated bond when interest rates go up, the big problem is if you're forced to sell. And with banks, they had these long dated bonds uh, purchased from deposits that their customers could take out of the bank anytime they wanted to. And that brings us to the second sort of issue in the current crisis. It started with SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, where uh, you know they had these, these paper losses on long dated treasuries. They decided to raise some capital and that spooked some venture capital firms. And you may say, well, Rob, who cares? What do venture, venture capital firms have to do with SVB? Well, they funded a lot of startups and they had those startups put their money in SVB. And when this all happened, they reversed course and they said to their startups, get your money out and get it out now. And so in a very short period of time, SVB lost uh, billions of dollars in deposits. A similar problem occurred at Signature Bank uh, in New York. And today, one of the banks that's having trouble, PacWest, also had this issue, not to the extent I don't think that SVB did, but they certainly had some venture capital backed uh, companies with deposits in their bank and they lost billions of dollars in deposits 
about a month ago. So you combine these two things, these long-dated treasuries, they had a lot of paper losses, along with uh, deposits concentrated in a relatively small number of depositors that got spooked and left, and there you go. We have a banking crisis. There's one other thing that's happening, though, that I think is important. Interest rates went up, as we all know, and a lot of banks, in order to retain deposits or to attract new deposits, what they do? They increase their interest rates, particularly on savings accounts, money market accounts, CDs, and of course, that costs them a lot of money. But here's the interesting thing. Not all banks had to raise their rates. Let me show you. This is my site, allcards.com. We track thousands of accounts. I'll leave a link to this below the video. We're looking at the savings account page and uh, you can see the, the rate started over 5%. Uh, many, many banks with savings accounts in the four, high fours and it goes down from there. By the way, if you know of any, any good deals with savings accounts that aren't on here or any accounts, let me know. I'll be sure to add it. But here's the really interesting thing. Check this out. Here's another bank, Bank of America. Look at their savings uh, uh, rates, 0.01%. Why even bother? 0.02%. <laughs> Look, I mean, you know, some of these, what, 0.04. And that's for their diamond honors. I don't know. Uh, not very good. And yet, here's the, the fascinating thing. The big banks, and by the way, Citibank and uh, uh, Chase, they're no different. Occasionally, you'll see a decent rate from them on a, on a very specific account. But by and large, their rates are not uh, dissimilar to what I showed you from Bank of America. And at the same time, deposits are pouring into these large banks because depositors are scared that their small or regional bank may go under. And so you have this competitive disadvantage. I guess it's an advantage if you're a big bank, but a competitive disadvantage if you're a small or regional bank. Now, I want to stress something. These, this disparity in rates is not causing you know, every small and regional bank to be on the verge of collapse, not at all. So I, I don't want to suggest that at all, but it is a competitive disadvantage, frankly, one that I think many of us have taken advantage of because I've put some of my money at various times in some of these smaller banks to take advantage of those higher interest rates, but it is causing some stress for smaller banks and regional banks. Now, the last thing I want to say about the, 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 uh, the current banking crisis is that there is a big difference between how the banking crisis affects investors and how it affects depositors. If you're an investor, particularly in one of these uh, banks that goes under, you lose all of your investment. And in fact, we can look at, uh, we'll look at PacWest today. This is, uh, they're down 70% 70, 70 over the last five days. And, and just today, they were down 50%. It doesn't look like it, but if you looked at the previous day, the actual close was just uh, over $6, $6.42, and then it closed today, as you can see here, at $3.17. So that was a drop in one day of 50%. So if you're an investor, particularly of one of these banks that's having trouble right now, or even the industry as a whole, well, you've seen your investments go down, and no doubt it's a big concern. I have shares of Wells Fargo and Bank of America not certainly not having any kind of problems like uh, some of these other banks, but their share values have gone down as well. But the thing I want to stress is a lot of the news, and you know, I'll say sometimes it's, it's, it gets a little hysterical in my view. I mean, it's a banking crisis. We want to keep an eye on it, but sometimes I think it's worth just taking a deep breath. A lot of it is about the investor side of, uh, uh, of the situation. How much have depositors lost? Well, I'm pretty sure the answer to that is zero. 
They haven't lost anything. The FDIC has, has said they're gonna uh, fully cover all of the deposits at SVB and Signature. We saw, we can show you here, uh, this past weekend, Chase acquired First Republic Bank. So if you were at First Republic Bank, now you're at Chase, no losses. Now, does that mean there'll be no losses going forward? No, of course not. We don't know, for example, which bank will fail next? Will it get purchased? Will the FDIC take it over? Uh, but I wanna stress that a lot of the hand-wringing uh, that we're seeing in the news is from the investor perspective. That's not to say depositors shouldn't be concerned, but it's a very different story for depositors than it is investors. Okay, enough about investing for a moment. Let's talk about the depositors. Should we give up on small and regional banks? I think the answer is no, and I think it's no for a, a number of reasons. First of all, many of them, and I'll throw credit unions into this mix as well, many of them offer lower fees than the big banks. So that's a big advantage. Again, you need to get to the specifics of each bank and account, but many of them offer lower fees. As we saw from my site, allcards.com, many of them offer significantly higher interest rates. I can tell you that I I do not have savings accounts or money market accounts at big banks. There's just no way I'm going to put my money in a savings account that pays 0.01%. And so it's these smaller banks, regional banks, online banks that pay higher interest rates on CDs, money market accounts, and savings accounts. We can't afford to lose that. That's really important uh, for folks, particularly in retirement, my crowd, right? I mean, we want that interest. We need it for our retirement. And so, no, we don't want to give that away. A lot of these uh, smaller banks have, have, I think, very unique ties to the community that larger banks don't have. And many of them have more flexibility when it comes to lending. And I think that's an important part of the local economy. So I'm a big believer in small and regional banks. I don't want to see them go. And I don't think we should just run from them for no good reason. Now, you're going to ask me, okay, Rob, where's your bank? Okay, my checking account, I will admit, is at a large bank. Now, it's been at a large bank for 35 years. And the only reason it's at a large bank is because it was convenient to where I worked and where we lived, but that's not unimportant. I like the fact that uh, large banks have ATM machines pretty much everywhere, and it's easy to find a branch. So I like having my checking account at a large bank, but I've had plenty of savings accounts and CDs at online banks and small banks, uh, and, and I will from time to time, depending on what the interest rates are, I'll never have that money at a large bank. Having said that, uh, regardless of where your money is, I think there are a number of things we can do to protect ourselves. Number one, and, and by far the most important, don't ever exceed the FDIC insurance limit. Now, for some of you, you're saying, Rob, it's 250 grand. Trust me, I ain't ever gonna exceed the FDIC insurance limit. I get it. But for some of you, you, you know, that's a concern, particularly as you enter into retirement. Maybe you're thinking about buying more certificates of deposit. As you know, uh, there are different ways to increase your FDIC insurance, even at the same bank, over $250,000. I did a video on that that you can check out in the channel. But the important thing is don't ever exceed the FDIC insurance limits. That's really, really important. Now, even with FDIC insurance, you might say, okay, Rob, I get it. I'm, I'm under the limits. But if a bank collapses, I mean, when will I get my money? I mean, will I be stuck? Well, it kind of depends. But the short answer is no, I don't think you'll be stuck. If a bank is purchased by another bank, like, in, like Chase uh, bought uh, uh, First Republic Bank last year, uh, there'll be almost uh, no interruption at all. You'll, you'll simply be banking at Chase. And that's, you know, Chase opened the doors to those depositors on Monday and they had access to their money. Uh, and, and if the FDIC has to liquidate the bank, they, their goal is to have your funds available to you within two business days. So there could be some slight interruption 
Uh, and I guess that's not a guarantee, but the FDIC works very, very hard to get depositors their money right away because confidence in the banking system and confidence in the FDIC insurance program is critical to our, our, our financial system. And so that's what they do and uh, they have ways to do it. And so I think if your money is, is under the FDIC insurance limits, uh, you should be in good shape. Now, there may be some of you that say, I hear that, Rob, I just can't sleep at night. I'm stressing out about this. Well, we don't want that to happen. And so if that's you, maybe a big bank is your answer, if that gives you some uh, relief from the stress. But I think there are other ways to deal with those risks. And the first is, I think this is important no matter where you bank, it's to diversify your banks. I've never had all of our cash at a single financial institution, whether we're talking about a bank or a brokerage. I might have a checking account at a big bank. I might have a savings account at one of them at an online bank and a, a, maybe a CD at, at a smaller community bank. And then I have money at, at brokerage uh, brokerages. It might be in the form of investing in T-bills or it could be in a money market fund. But I think that's really, really important. We don't want to put all of our cash in a single financial institution. And I think that's a, a good policy, regardless of whether you're at a small bank, a regional bank, a credit union, or even a big bank. And I think if you have that set up, it should give you comfort to bank pretty much wherever you want to, unless you have some reason to believe that that specific bank is in trouble. Now, I want to finish with uh, an ETF that I want to show you that I've been watching. I, don't, I haven't invested in it. Here it is. IAT, it's the iShares US Regional Bank. I'll show you right now. It's 39 basis points. It's an ETF. It invests, as the name suggests, in regional banks. It's got an SEC yield of 4.2%. So probably not the best kind of investment for a taxable account, uh, although I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. But probably not the best kind of investment for a taxable account. But because of how the regional banks have been hit over the last uh, month or two, when we go to the portfolio, we can see, look at this, it's got a price to earnings. And I, I think Morningstar's is a forward price to earning of under eight. Price to book is pretty much at a buck. Uh, now, of course, th there have been a lot of issues, obviously, in, in, in regional banks. And so this could easily go lower. But if we come down and look at the portfolio, uh, you know, it's got some big banks here, U.S. Bank, PNC, Truist, M&T, Regions, Fifth Third. So these are by no means small uh, banks. Of course, as you move out, they go to smaller banks, but their portfolio weight is a lot less. But I see this as, as an, an interesting option if you think uh, that, that, yeah, there could be some tough times ahead from regional banks, but eventually they're going to turn it around. Actually, this is the kind of value investing that I've done many times in the past where I look at a situation like this ETF and I just ask a simple question. Are regional banks going away? If they are, well, this is not going to be a good investment. But if I think, no, yeah, look, they're going to go through some difficult times and they may go through more difficult times. We're not out of this yet. But as a long-term investor, I think regional banks will eventually recover. Eventually, the interest rates uh, and inflation will get under control and settle down. And eventually, these regional banks will do just fine. This could be an interesting long-term investment. Now, uh, you know, again, I don't have any shares of it now. I don't know if I ever will. It's just one that I've been watching uh, and I'll continue to watch. Maybe I'll purchase shares in the future. I don't know, but I wanted to share it with you yeah, as one option for those that think maybe there might be an investing opportunity 
uh, in the regional bank sector. Well, there you go. That's the banking crisis. I think it's a real crisis. I think sometimes if you watch too many, uh, I'll even say YouTube videos, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes it can freak you out. I think sometimes it's just uh, folks trying to get views to their video. I don't want to suggest there isn't a banking crisis. Obviously, some banks have failed. We're going to see, I'll tell you now, we're going to see more banks fail this year. There, I, there's no doubt in my mind that that's going to happen. But I also think that this is not nearly as bad as what we were dealing with in 2008. Could it get worse? I suppose it could. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. But I think as depositors, we have plenty of protections. We just have to take, the, take full advantage of them. And if we do that, I think we'll be fine. If you have any questions, leave them in the comments below. I'll be happy to help you out any way I can. And until next time, remember, the best thing money can buy, apart from FDIC insurance, is financial freedom.